podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Live Birds. It's January, it's the second half of the season and it looks like things are about to get interesting. To discuss all the latest LFC games and points of interest, joining me to uh, discuss all the points of interest and what the future weeks may bring, I have Leanne and Randy. Welcome, Leanne. Welcome, Randy. Thanks for joining the latest pod. Hiya. So let's get straight into it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start now and sort of go back in time somewhat, but I think it all uh, behoves us to get the uh, last game against Crystal Palace off our chests because, frankly, it was somewhat unexpected the way that that game went. So, um, Leanne, let's let's start with you. Um, I know you were at Anfield for the game, as was I. Um, how was yesterday for you? Yeah, it was it was stressful, wasn't it? Um, I think games against Crystal Palace are never easy for Liverpool. They've always been kind of a team you expect the unexpected from and we saw that earlier in the season when they beat um, Manchester City and performed so well and you know they, they've done well this season in terms of results against the big teams I think they drew with Arsenal or Chelsea they've beaten Wolves I think as well so you know they've been doing very well um, and although their league position isn't the best and you kind of know what you're going to get with the Roy Hodgson team there was a lot of unexpected circumstances of, of yesterday's game. I think, you know, the the way they attacked, the way they pressed after they got there, well, actually in the in the beginning of their goal, and that's kind of how it how it came about. They broke Liverpool's press um to to kind of get that counter attacking goal was really impressive and I thought defensively they were very strong. Um as for Liverpool, you know, it, it was a very frustrating first half. We were completely dominant. And it was a case of you know, we couldn't really find the the final ball. We couldn't really find the inroad. Um, I thought Jordan Henderson and Fabinho were fantastic, but there was a little something needed in the second half, and and that injection happened, and and Liverpool got the three points, which is really all that matters at this stage in the season. Um, there was a couple of times where you're thinking, oh, we've been pegged back once, we've been pegged back twice. This is this is now or never for this Liverpool team. Let's see what they're made of, and to come through that test unscathed. Okay, you know, nerves. Were, were huge and, and the red card to James Milne didn't help with that but yes people would say we got away with one but you know three points um, four point gap on City still 15 games to go it, it looks good yeah there were <clears throat> there were a few uh, definite moments of palpitation uh, yesterday that, that I wasn't expecting um, Randy so I know that you, you struggled to see the game itself but I'm presuming you picked up on um the sort of madness of it all um <laughs> what what sort of what sort of feedback were you getting as the game was going on well that was the case i was uh, unfortunately sat in a pub that uh, was was showing man united because i'm situated in oslo and norway at the minute is all about and what he's doing with that team and how wonderful everything is. So I was pissed off, you know, <laughs> with that. And then in the middle of a discussion with a woman that does not like football, I was getting messages from my friends that was like, this is madness, oh no, you know, and Crystal Palace. And it was just everything that came through that made me think maybe this was a good match not to watch on telly anyway. <laughs> because I know I would have been so stressed out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, when you watch the highlights, it, it's, uh, it looks like a, a match we've actually seen before because as Leanne said, we have this thing about Crystal Palace, don't we? And this sort of matches comes a couple of times a year where everything is just bash on both ways and you don't know what you can expect. And I was, 
I was very sad uh, after the match about um, Fabinho's uh, injury mm -hmm. because I thought he was brilliant, uh, what I've heard and saw of this match. And also up to now, he's been, he's doing marvellous for us, I think, because like he did in the other match in um, defence. Uh, and now from his uh, preferred position, uh, he has mm. his passes. He does something to the team, I think. He does something to the midfield. That, um, so I'm a bit scared now. Uh, have you heard uh, any rumours about what it's, how he's doing? Um, so to be fair, I haven't. Um, there's there's, a, there's I a was going to say, I haven't seen anything on the official website, but but I have been out and about today, so I'm not necessarily... Okay. So, Leanne, if you've got any additional information, please share. I think at, at this point, as, as you kind of alluded to, no one really knows the extent of the injury. There's been a couple of things. It, it actually looked like it in the ground when he went down that he was holding his hamstring. And I know that mm. a couple of people have said that that could be the issue. But there's been other other talks of, well, it's not, it's nothing too serious. And so it, it kind of feels like no one really knows at the moment. So it's just something we'll have to wait and see. But I guess the, the good thing, Kind of like Trent and Genie is, it's at a time where Liverpool have got a decent amount of, of gaps between their games. I think the squad is actually off to Dubai now as well. So, you know, yeah, he will yeah, get a rest are. before the next game, even if he is Although, injured, hopefully um, not a hamstring. Yeah, let's, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. It's not a hamstring, obviously. However, the, um, Guardiola feels that, you know, if you have too big a break between games, you might lose your rhythm. And, and he would be worried about that. So I think he should just maybe be worried about his own team and not worry about us. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. But, um, but no, I, I think, so for me, one of, one of the things that, that struck me about the, the game against Palace was, uh, and I have to give credit to them in terms of them breaking the press for that first goal. Um, and we're talking about centimetres, centimetres away from us actually taking the ball off them but we went kind of full gag and press and, and at one point I think there were five or six players um, there so when they did break there were massive gaps and and I think you know there's something for us to to look at there because I'm I'm not like this season most of the games have been some of them have been really tight but they've actually broadly been quite comfortable I was I, after they scored, I was not comfortable in that game at any point. Um, I felt I should be, but I never was. And for me, part of the, part of the reason was when we came out in the second half and we went 2-1 up and we, and we went for them and we had our foot, I think, on their throat then. And we, and I thought we should have gone for it because I thought there was the opportunity to go maybe 3-1 up, 4-1 up. And we seemed to, we seem to take a step back and I felt we got caught between two stools yesterday about whether to go really controlled after we'd taken the lead or whether to still go for it and try and score three, four, five, six goals. And whichever way we went, we seem to, we seem to broadly make the wrong decision at that time. So when we should have gone for it, we stepped back. And when we should have stepped back, we went for it. Uh, which ended up making it, a, you know, a bit of, well, you know, you've scored, we'll go and score. <laughs> and I, and it was just, it was just one thing. So even when, you know, when we went forward two up and I generally thought, right, that's done. Like game is done. There's, you know, a minute left or something. We'll just, you know, we'll just play the ball amongst ourselves. Um, no. No, we couldn't, we couldn't even do that. You know, they go and score another one in the 96th minute or whatever it is. So even then you're twitching. You're twitching in the 96th minute against Crystal Palace. And I don't mean that to sound derogatory because they have beaten City. And as you say, Leanne, you know, there's various other um, teams that they've got good results at. And maybe they're, maybe we should have expected this because of how they played against City. But I think, I expected us to cope with it better. Um, but we did have somewhat of a makeshift defence out there. We obviously had Milner playing at right back. Um, and whilst he did okay in the first half, I mean, obviously Zaha stood him up for the first goal, but 
I think he did okay, but he, in my mind, uh, I don't, I don't know sort of opinions, but I, I didn't feel he got enough support down that side with Zaha going at him because we must have known that they would target Milner because clearly he's, you know, he's not a preferred right back. He was in there as an emergency. So to my mind, certainly not until some point in the second half when I think Henderson was going out to try and help Milner a bit more, I felt he was really quite exposed down that right-hand side. And Leanne, I don't know if that was, that was your view of the game in terms of Milner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because before the game, as you kind of say, I think everyone knew that James Milner versus Wilfred Zaha was sort of a recipe for disaster in many ways. And <laughs> That's not that's not me being harsh to James Milner. I think he's very good, oh. very experienced. But it is just pace against no pace. Wilfred Zaha is a phenomenal footballer at the end of the day and someone that I would actually like Liverpool to sign. Um, but yeah, I think, you know... Palace targeted it. Palace knew that that was going to be an avenue that they could exploit. And that's where their goal came from. That's where all their attacks really came from. And, you know, we talked about the nervy moments earlier and, and the threat of never really feeling safe, even when we were two goals up, which was kind of the Liverpool of old, which we, you know, mm. we thought we'd got past. But actually, this was just a, oh, by the way, if you thought we were going to do things the easy way, you're not a Liverpool <laughs> fan. Um, but, but no, he, you know, James Milner, he, he used his experience in some ways and, you know, in delaying Zaha when Zaha did break forward. But in other times, Zaha just made it look so easy and so effortless to get, effortless to get past him. And actually, you know, to get a red card, I thought James Milner was a bit, bit naive in, in many ways. I know people say, oh, Jordan Henderson sold him short with the pass and, and diving in. Why is he doing that? Um, I thought that could have been avoided. But again, it, it just comes down to Palace exploiting a weakness that everyone knew that we had. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because hopefully Trent's back for the next game. So hopefully it's, you know, something that we don't really see again. Um, but Camacho as well, when he came on, I thought he did a good job. I was, I, I you know, for the, for the limited time he was there, I, I thought he did all right. Also, to be fair, he, he got in a bit of a last ditch tackle. Um, mm. <laughs> right, right before the, the referee blew the final whistle. Um, we, because, because, you know, Crystal Palace was still attacking. So, so to be fair to them, they still thought they could get something out of the game. Um, I, yeah, I don't want to go back to, uh, the 17, 18 season type of performance. Um, I re- I really much prefer this, this version where, you know, we sail serenely through games and, yeah, don't, yeah. and don't concede. It's much, it's much easier on the, on the heart and on the nerves. And also, I didn't realize, and I, I, I sort of picked up after the game, we, we had invited, um, this guy to, to the game as a sort of special guest of, of Klopp and the club because he was 104 or he'd had his 104th <laughs> birthday and yeah. had been, you know, went to his first game in 1923 or something. I think, well, they brought him to the game and then they nearly killed the man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, there's, there's entertainment and there's, you know, it's, I, you know, his, his ticker must, must, must take a lot of, lot of strain for him to just sit serenely through that. I just thought, poor old boy. Or maybe he loved it. I don't know. But I did worry somewhat for, for, <laughs> for the sake of his, for the sake of his sanity. Um, on that point about Zaha, Randy, so Leanne said he's somebody that, you know, she'd like to see the club potentially go after. What do you think? Would you like to see Zaha at the club? I'm not sure. I, I trust Klopp, so if he would like to see him at our club, I'm fine with it because I really trust the man. Uh, he he's always dangerous, I think, when he plays us. By some strange reason, he doesn't seem to deliver the same thing uh, at home with other teams. It's it's not like he's always there. I don't know whether it's a lot uh, injured. Uh, I don't know much about him in that way, but. He certainly is a threat, and I just wonder uh, about this match. Like he, he played, we played Camacho for the last five minutes or something, and he said he saved us for that last tackle. That was just so so close, and I wonder if his speed and um, I don't know would 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 have been better than 
Milner and maybe Milner could support him in a way, but then we would lose a midfielder. So I'm a bit like, I don't know, but I think he's almost unplayable when, when Sahai's really at it. He's very, very good. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily support, um, him comes, although I've had a few people say that to me, to me, to be fair. I, I'm not sure, and maybe he needs to be at a better club in inverted mm. commas with, with a better coach, but I don't know that I think he's, he produces on a, on a consistent basis. I mean, you know, it'd be great to have him on the books on the basis that we would never have to play him again. Um, so, so that would, that would be a bonus, but I don't know that I, he, I, no, I appreciate he was much younger. He went to Man United and did very little there. So I don't know. Maybe he's more mature as a player now. Um, I, I think, I think I'm not convinced that the fact that he has really good games against us. Um, unless we're planning on making Crystal Palace the new Southampton or Bournemouth, I'm not sure <laughs> for us in terms of we only appear to go shopping uh, at a club at a time in the, in the Premier League. So we, if we, I tell you what, if they do a, if they do a bog off deal and him and Wan Bissaka, I'll take those as a duo. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, I think that would be, I think, because I, I, I think he's got, I think he's got real potential. Um, and with Klein on loan, and I can't see him coming back full time. Um, so unless if he's going to promote Camacho, then you've potentially got two very young players, um, you know, fighting for that right back berth. Um, so I would hope that we would have um, he potentially bring somebody in. Um, depending, depending how confident he is about Camacho's development. Uh, so I, I think, I think we are more in, more in need of right back cover than a, than a winger. But like you say, I, I, tr- I trust, I trust the club now in terms of their scouting and in terms mm. of the players that they, that they bring in. And whilst, you know, they, we all, you know, we, we're all impatient as football fans. So, so the minute we sign somebody, we want to see them and we want to see them perform immediately. Um, and I don't think, you know, I think it's unusual that we're going to get that, um, particularly, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about Cater. Um, I think most of, most recent signings have, you know, have slowly but surely warmed up. Maybe Salah being the, the obvious, um, exception, um, and Mane to, to a lesser extent. But, I think Zaha is very talented. Um, just not a hundred percent convinced. I would. Uh, uh, I think I want him at Liverpool, but t- you know, time will tell. You know, I, I'll end up looking a complete idiot when you know on the first of July <laughs> next year. Um, <clears throat> he's stand. He's standing there with a uh, <laughs> with a holding a Liverpool shirt in his hands. Um, right. So, a uh, couple a couple of other things about about the game. Um I thought I thought Matip did pretty well actually in the in the game. That was his first real game back from injury. So I thought I thought considering um that he's he's you know he'd been out, I thought he slotted back in reasonably well. Um so let's I sort of said maybe we'll talk about Cater. Let's talk let's talk about Cater. Um Liam, what did you think of his performance yesterday? Yeah, he's he's definitely been the talking point of the game, aside from the result, obviously. Um, I think, you know, Navigators come in with a lot of expectation and a lot of... Um, he was so good in the Bundesliga and he was so positive with his play and he was really eye-catching to watch. And because Liverpool fans had to wait so long to see him in a Liverpool shirt, that also added expectation. Then you've got the pressure of the fact he's wearing the number eight shirt, which obviously Steven Gerrard's shirt and and he's the first one to kind of take up that mantle and to try to, to push the club forward effectively in this new era. And I think, aside from the West Ham game, really, in the first game of the season, we've not really seen the best of him at all. Um, in that West Ham game, he was really, really good. He was really positive going forward with the ball, um, you know, sprayed the passes in between the lines, got his teammates forward, got his teammates into chances, and was there with, with the right touches and the right passes at the right time. 
But yesterday against Palace, I thought he he really struggled. I think his his touch was off. Um, he didn't look quite like he had the energy or the fitness to maintain his level either. Um, I was quite surprised he came out for the second half. Not not because I I think he's a rubbish player, just because I didn't think he was offering what Liverpool needed. Um, and so I can understand, you know, the the negatives that people have said about him. But at the same time, you've got to remember that this is a player who is being played out of position. He's not a left winger. He should not be played on the left-hand side. If you want to get the best out of him, he needs to be playing in that central position where he's able to roam. He's able to go forward with the ball, kind of in a genie-type role, but also with a bit more license to go forward and create. Um, and that's something we've not really been able to see of him, probably because this season, the way Copper's got his midfield, it's it's a lot more um, combative, you know, with with the likes of Genie and Henderson in there and Fabinho as well. So I think it's it's been difficult for him to really establish himself because of that, because he's probably adapting in training to a new role. Um, but it does again, you know, that in itself bodes the question of why aren't you using Shakiri, who is a natural wide player and has been good this season. Um, but yeah, I, I think with Cater, he just needs a little bit more time. Um, the, the poor performances aren't helping with the aspects of the pressure because fans, football fans especially, can be very impatient, especially when it's, you know, a, a new big signing and we, and we expected so much. But this is clearly a very talented footballer. Um, you know, Carlo Ancelotti came out and there was a quote on Twitter today about how much he wanted him. And, and managers like Klopp and Ancelotti, they don't, they don't want players who aren't good at football. We've we've seen Naby Keita is very, very good at football. We've just not seen it in a Liverpool shirt yet, and he just needs time now to adapt. Yeah, I worry about the um the impatience of, of, of our or a proportion of our fan base. Um and you know, on one hand I you know, I want to see the Naby Keita who was at Leipzig, you know, as as we all do. But I do think there has to be acknowledgement that he's not playing in his preferred position. Also, uh, you know, I don't know him well enough, but he, the sense I get, and you know, in terms of the limited thing, is with the stop-start nature of, you know, his introduction to the league, um, with the injuries and the the kind of the the loss of form and the not getting regular games because of one or the other. He he seems to me to be a kind of rhythm player, not necessarily one that can, uh, you know, just be dropped in and then and then perform. Um, and in which case he's going to need um, he's going to need more time. Um, Randy, you you know you were you were sort of eulogising about him, you know. Sort of at the back end of the last season when they made the announcement we'd signed him and and the fact that you know it looked like. You know, we had somebody who was really going to, you know, be able to take that mantle and not be Steven Gerrard because nobody can be Steven Gerrard. Um, what what are you hoping for from Cater for the for the second half of the season? Um, and I mean, and I don't know if you if, you know if you'd seen some highlights of it, what what your views were about how how he performed yesterday. Uh, to start with yesterday, the little I saw, uh, it looks a bit like what I've seen lately from him since West Ham game, actually. Uh, and he looks a bit worried and he looks like he is not instinctively when he plays. He looks very, um, uh, assured, very, uh, defensive minded, very sort of, I have to do the right thing here. And that is not going to be good for anyone, and especially not, I think, for him, because I think he was very much one of those that needs to be instinctively just going for it and just playing his game. And uh, therefore, I feel a bit sorry for him. And as Leanne said, if, if you play him in a completely different position than what he actually is supposed to and where he's not used to be and he's not, remember, all these changes in our team is not just one or two. It's so many changes lately that none of these guys are really comfortable playing with, you know, a new guy next to him. But but because they are comfortable with their own game, they can do it. And I think he looks a bit like he needs to be comfortable. He needs to have some positive uh, experiences. And I don't think he gets that on uh, left wing. So I wonder why Klopp plays him. And maybe that's just because they need the the feet, you know, we need the, 
near the guys at the moment, all of them. But I, I well, certainly oh. hope he's going to get. He's going to get there. It's just going to take time. Maybe next season. Yeah, I mean, we we are going through our own little sort of injury crisis at the moment. Um, obviously, we've got Trent out. Um, we've got Ginny out, although we're hoping that they're not too serious and they should be back by the time we play Leicester. Fabino picked up an injury, obviously, um, yesterday. We've got Milner suspended for the next game. We've got Gomez um hopefully we'll be back soon but we don't know whether he'll be back in time for Leicester um there is a view that Oxlade Chamberlain might be back in full training next month um but of course he's a, you know he's a long term injury still out um so you know we've we've you know we've had a we've had a few um, you know, we've had a few little bumps along the way, but, you know, that's the nature of a, you know, a long season in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, when, when you think about sort of the, the disruption, if you like, I, I think, you know, the fact that we're still managing to, you know, churn out victories, you know, should be, should be taken as a real positive. But if I can, um, if I can turn our attention slightly, slightly back in time, um, because leading up, uh, you know, to this game, obviously prior to that, we, you know, after we'd lost the City game, um, and then, you know, sort of went out of the FA Cup, we obviously went away to Brighton. And it seemed to me, uh, Leanne, you said something earlier about, you know, we were, we were very dominant in the first half, but didn't really kind of produce much. Um, it felt a little bit like a, you know, like a repeat of the first half against Brighton, except we weren't, we weren't as dominant as we were, as we were against Palace. But we, we kind of, we had a lot of possession in the first half against Brighton, but again, didn't, you know, we, we had a couple of things, but didn't really create very much at all. In fact, I would argue that the first half against Brighton was pretty much a non-event. Um, you know, is it, is it a question of that, you know, Klopp has kind of reset us as we, as we've come into January and we, we're sort of trying to build up again? Um, or, or, you know, is it, is it just that we are, you know, was it, was it we took a knock after we lost the city game and we sort of, you know, we're just trying to rebuild a little bit of confidence? What, what do you think has been behind the kind of slowish starts in the last couple of days? I don't necessarily think it's been a series of slow starts. I think you're right when you say it's, especially the Brighton game, it was kind of a, a non-event. And in many ways, the first half against Palace was like that. Although you've got to remember there were a couple of times where Jordan Henderson crossed the ball to James Milner. James Milner put it to the back post and Andy Robertson could have shot, but, you know, gave it back mm. to someone like Fabinho. Mm. So there was... There was half chances there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do think there has been a, a slight element of frustration it, just because of how dominant Liverpool have been in terms of possession in those games. But I also think you need to remember that these teams have, uh, you know, as, as we said earlier, have got good results against big teams this season. This is how they set up. Um, Chris Hewton and Roy Hodgson are very, very good managers in terms of setting out exactly what their players have to do, giving them effectively a checklist. And those players will do it and will do it to death. And so you, you have to give the opposition credit as well. Um, in, in terms of Liverpool, I wouldn't say it's anything about, you know, kick-starting again and resetting on momentum. I think the momentum is still there. And actually, I, I kind of think it's been the perfect evidence of this season and the change in the way Klopp has got us playing because... Aside from the Palace game, which obviously was was a return to the chaos, uh, we've been a lot more controlled this season. We, you know, we're able now to see out the one nils. Even if we get the goal in the first twenty minutes, we can then be relatively assured that we can hold on to that three points. And we've never really been in that position before this season. Um, so I think what's kind of happened is it's just been a bit more controlled, a bit more assured. And when you come up against those low block defences, it does take time to break them down. But credit to Liverpool because they've been able to do it. And, and that's really all that matters. And that is where you get the momentum from winning the games. And 
I think there'll be a lot of confidence in this team because they're they're continuing to do their jobs. They fought back very, very well twice mm. against Palace and we're in a position where we control our own fate. There's 15 games to go and, and probably 13 wins would, would be enough to see Liverpool champions. So I think it's just a case of needing to needing to realise that because we're we're so in this title race, we're so in this title challenge and we're in, in first spot and we don't want to make a mistake, there are going to be times and games where there is that frustrating element of, oh, are we going to break them down? And that's that's always part of football. Man City have the same, Man United have the same, Chelsea, Tottenham, whoever it is, there are periods of, of a football match where you have to ride out that, that bit of frustration. Mm. I just I I just wondered whether there was something in terms of the, the tempo of some of the passing. So, you know, we've had, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty percent possession in, in you know, the first halves of, of those games. Um and yet it seems that We've done, you know, there's been a lot of control passing, you know, trying to slowly but surely move the team around. And I sometimes think that <clears throat> there are opportunities that we're missing. Maybe I'm just being overly critical because we've been so good. Um, but I do, I do think that sometimes we, the, 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 the pace, the pace that we pass the ball at actually, um, is, is, is something that could be, that could be improved. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, like I said, maybe I'm being overly critical, Randy. Um, because, you know, ultimately we are winning these games. And, and as we say, the, the point of the exercise is to win. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. So I don't know, Randy. Maybe I'm being too, <laughs> too unkind on my own team. No, but I think it's like, it is, we have shown now, if we, if you uh, include last season and this one, that we can play in so many different ways. Uh, we thought we were only going to do um, a completely mad pressing game and stuff like that that we did a couple of years ago, and we only could do that. This year, we actually shown that we can hold the ball, we can keep it, we can calm it down, we can be in control and all that. And then when we suddenly can't do that, we, we seem to panic. Uh, so I just want the team and all our fans just to sort of calm down and, and see that we have to do different things because other teams require different things from us or the game requires it or, or we need to be able to, to be able to play all these sort of different games. And I kind of like that, that I think we haven't got used to it. And I do agree with you when we play in possession, like 70, 80, uh, percent of the ball and stuff and we look a bit slow uh like i i made a note here uh 15 minutes uh before end of the brighton game i was like it looks like we are leading five nil for fuck's sake we're not you know we're not leading five nil so please do something you know they look like they are so relaxed and then suddenly the others get a corner and we completely panic but but that might just be me um, projecting my uh, feelings to the game. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. The the weird thing for me was if I if I think briefly to that Crystal Palace game when we went one nil down. Actually, that was the point I felt reasonably comfortable. I never had any doubt that yeah. we would find a way to score and come back. Um, the bit that I. I thought when we went 2-1 up, it would be like the Arsenal game. And we just continued to score goals. Um, and, and that was the bit that I was, I suppose, I got frustrated at because I felt they were there for the taking. But yeah, I, you know, I absolutely appreciate that we, we now have a range of different ways to win games. We can outscore you. We can outlast you. We can, you know, score you know go one nil up and and basically shut you out and they you know and the fact that we have ways to you know different ways so we can approach you know whether it's like you say you know you know the team's parking the bus or you know a low set or or whatever it is i get all of that um and the fact is i i you know i i do think maybe i'm being greedy you know we played we played 23 games and we've got 60 points i mean i'm really yeah on one hand, 
I have I have very little to complain about. Um, you know, on the other hand, I guess I you know I want this so badly. I want I want you know I I want to see us just crush every team now, but that's probably unrealistic. Um, so. Uh, you know, we we took we took on Brighton. We we got through the one nil win, and and you know, even though there were some uncomfortable moments, and I was down at the Amex, so it's it's actually a great a great stadium to go for a, for an away game, and I did enjoy it. And uh, although you know, I think it was that kind of slight slight New Year thing. It wasn't it, it wasn't the greatest atmosphere until after we scored, really, um, and then you know the the away end was bouncing. There's loads of singing going on um, prior to the game, actually, on the concourse. It was really good. It was just, I think the first half was so dull, it kind of drained the atmosphere out of all the supporters. <laughs> so um, so after that, obviously, then we, we had the, the Palace game, but we'd sort of come into that on the back of the going out of the FA Cup to Wolves. Um, and I suppose there's just a sort of question in my mind about whether the FA... Uh, what we've either gained or lost about going out of the FA Cup in the third round. You know, we've obviously lost games. Um, so, you know, the fact that we've got 10 days now until we play Leicester is because we don't have a game next weekend because we're no longer in the FA Cup. Um, so with our current injuries, you could argue that's a good thing. In terms of our fringe players, however, getting, you know, a run of games because they're... Um, subject to us hopefully not having, you know, too many more injuries and they're not going to get huge amounts of opportunities. Then, you know, is that, is that something we've lost? Well, you know, where do you, where do you sit, Randy? Is it a, is it a plus or a minus for us going out of the FA Cup? Uh, on one hand, it is a minus because, as you say, we can't give everyone game time. But then if you look at our injury list, it looks like we haven't got, we haven't got two good teams anymore. Uh, we, we're not City. We, we can't have two different very good teams at the same time. And I don't think, I, right now, I'm quite relieved we don't have to play all these games. Uh, but it is a plus and a minus, of course. But I think right now, I'm quite happy about it. Uh, because we can go away, we can restart, we can do our preparations. And remember, we do have the Champions League. And I think we're going to get lots of opportunities to use the whole squad anyway uh, when we play Premier League in between those matches. So I'm fine with it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Leanne? Yeah, I think it's, again, it's something that's divided opinion because some people will, will say, you know, this is Liverpool's best chance at a title. We don't want any distractions. We just want to focus on the league and, and possibly the Champions League. And, I think that's what, you know, Jamie Carragher was arguing on Sky Sports. And, and I would agree with that. I think Liverpool are in such a strong league position that you wouldn't want to, to have any other distractions. I think the fixture we would have had is Stoke away. So it wouldn't have been the easiest. It wouldn't have been the hardest, but it would have been an away trip. And, you know, again, another fixture to contend with. So I can see the thinking, but at the same time, I can also see the thinking behind the other set of fans who would who would argue that Liverpool and Klopp need a trophy and Liverpool and Klopp want a trophy. These fans want a trophy and the FA Cup is a great chance to do it. Um, so I think it's it's a hard one to really say. I, I, I think from this point of view, it's probably better that we're out of the FA Cup because those warm weather training camps in Dubai have been so beneficial for Liverpool in prior seasons. It, it did really help with the Champions League run-in last year and I think it will really help with this running um, so I would probably say just about it's a positive um, but again you know Liverpool need to win a trophy soon I want mm. to see Liverpool winning a trophy soon and the FA Cup is a great competition that that you know shouldn't be taken for granted but I do also think people who say Liverpool went out without trying are wrong Klopp yeah. in that Wolves game brought brought on Salah, he brought on Firmino, he started the likes of Shakiri. he had a strong team out there who could have got the job done, but unfortunately, partly due to circumstances with the days and Lovren injury as well, it just so happened that, you know, Wolves, who have been a very strong team this season, 
managed to manage to beat Liverpool. So it wasn't a case of the manager putting out 12 kids and, and just kind of 11 kids, sorry, and saying, you know, we're not going to even bother here. He said, mm. we're going to give this a, a go and, and it didn't work out. So fair play. Um, but yeah, I think now all the focus is just very much on the Premier League and, and that's probably what Klopp's thinking will be as well. Yeah, I, it was an interesting one for me because I, before we'd even played the game, I'd sort of assumed we were going to go out. Now, that's not, that's not being defeatist, but when I looked at sort of the, I always knew that he was going to change the squad. We all knew that. Um, the fact was with the players that we'd lost, we'd, you know, we'd losing, um, you know, losing Gomez, um, you know, Lovren was only just, um, coming back with various other things. Um, and the fact that he didn't want, he wanted to give, you know, the, the our front free a rest as far as possible. Um, I just had a feeling that, that Wolves would put out a pretty much a full strength side and therefore it was actually going to be a pretty tough assignment anyway, because, you know, we had to work really hard to beat them with our, first 11 squad when we played them in the league. So I sort of was expecting that we would go. I was hoping that we would win, but expecting that we would go out. Um, and I was, I was actually fine with it. I, I, I sort of made that had the mental conversation, which was if the price I have to pay for us to actually genuinely being with that chance of winning the Premier League is to sacrifice the FA Cup. I'm fine with that. Um, yes, I'm with you. I want us to win a trophy. I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate in that with the exception of the Premier League, I've been able to see us win pretty much everything else that there is to win and to be in the stadium to see it at the time. But it's been a long time. You know, 2012 mm. is the last time we won anything. So, um, you know, it's, it's, we, we're, well, I say we're overdue because no club has a divine right to win anything, but I think a club of Liverpool size, we're overdue to be really, you know, at the, at the business end of a title, of a title race, because we haven't been there since 13, 14, and we all kind of know what happened since then. Um, we obviously got to the Champions League final, we've been to Europa League final, we've been to the League Cup final, we've lost them all. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tired of that. Yeah. It's a fantastic achievement to get to the finals, but I, I want to actually see us standing on the podium at the end, lifting the cup. So if losing the FA Cup third round is, is the price, then that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take that. The interesting thing for me, and, and again, to no guarantee we would have gone through is actually we would have been away at Shrewsbury because Shrewsbury turned over Stoke. So, um, so that could have been, that could have been very, Interesting. Um, I'm fairly sure I've got that right. I think they beat them in the replay. Um, anyway, so regardless, Stoke or Shrewsbury, um, it would have been, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would have been a, an interesting away trip. Um, so we've got no games now for 10 days. Like you say, we've got warm weather training camp, come back, hopefully get, uh, players back in training. And then we are playing Leicester at home. Uh, which will basically round off January. Um, just sort of quick, quick sort of thirty seconds on on Leicester. Do we do we expect to have pretty much a full strength squad as far as possible to pick from from that game? And and is there a is there a lineup you'd like to see? Uh, Randy, why don't I start with you on that? Uh, yeah, it's a good question because it looks like Gomez is coming back soon, doesn't it? And Trent doesn't look like he's that much injured, so I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are back. And uh, then we have uh, our preferred defence lineup, don't we? And that would be very good if we could. And then in midfield, Genie has also been injured, hasn't he? So if he's back as well, I would. Uh, he has. He. I don't think yeah. it's. It's deemed as serious, but so no. he should be available, I believe, yeah. for the Leicester game. Yes. So the only question that then is, is, uh, Fabinho going to be ready? Because he, if that is a, uh, hamstring, 
and the bad one, you know, he could be out for long. But then we've got Hendo, Jeannie, um, who else? Uh, Shaq and Kate, obviously, and um, Milner. Milner's got a red card. He has, so Milner won't yeah, be there. So he's out. But it, it, it looks like we've got a good squad for the rest of the match. And I, I do expect us to win. I, 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 like, I look at these five next matches now. I'll look at Leicester. That's a win. West Ham, that should be a win, even though they have been doing some good things lately. Bournemouth should be a win. And then we have Man United. It's just a big question mark. And then we have Watford. So I am quite confident <laughs> that we'll get nine and maybe 12 points at least. And I very much look forward to it. I mean, now when we only got these matches, not only, but, you know, we do play more seldom than the others. It's going to be a good run, I think. Hmm, yeah, as long as we okay. can keep the rest of us fine, obviously. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to think about Alison, uh, Virgil, Robbie, Salah, Bobby or Mane getting injured. You know, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> no, I mean, but, but the fact is... <sighs> You know, they, they might. So, like you say, we have, we have Shakiri, we have Sturridge, we have Origi. I'm not suggesting they're like for light replacements at all, um, in terms of the first choice thing. But the, the point of this is that we, we have to be able to utilize the full squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things that you said earlier was, you know, we, we, we don't have, you know, two, two teams like City who are in effect can put out two almost full strength teams. I don't think we, we've, had that for, I would say, 20 years hmm. to have a, to have a, a, a squad of that strength. I think maybe one of the closest that we got to it was the 2008-2009 squad um, when when we did have some some good backups as well. When you had you know Mascherano and Alonso and Torres and Gerard and and whatever. But even even then, you know, we we didn't have massive strength in depth because we were we were on the point of you know, it was becoming clear that the money, you know, wasn't available because, mm. you know, Benitez was prepared to consider selling Alonso to fund Gareth Barry. So, uh, <laughs> we, we, you know, those, those, those were a different set of dark times. Um, so I, I don't think we've ever been in that position in, in, uh, say, in the last 15 to 20 years in terms of the overall strength of our, our squad and particularly you know, coming in as like for like replacements. But I think this coming summer, um, cause it looks like Sturridge will go in the summer. Uh, like I said, I don't expect Klein to come back. Um, we've sold Solanke, Moreno will go, Mignolet, I think will probably go. So it's gonna, I think there's going to be another series of a sort of quite significant change in terms of upgrading the, 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 the squad again. Um, so I think when you say, you know, we, we will have, I, I believe we'll have a, you know, a pretty good, uh, selection to choose from for the Leicester game. I mean, Leanne, and is there, is there anything that you would, you would do differently in terms of recent games, uh, sort of formation or, or players that you want, you know, I don't know, just, just an example. Would you, would you put Sturridge in, for example, um, because he has since the FA Cup, he obviously hasn't had a run out. Would you would you play him as a sort of you know number ten or something? Just throwing it out there. I think it's it's difficult for Sturridge now because it's become clear that he's not really got. I don't think he's got much longer for his Liverpool career. I think he's probably going to be off in the summer, and that leaves Klopp in a difficult position because it's about trying to give him game time because he needs to be in the shop window, but it's also about obviously putting the needs of the, the team first. When Bobby needs a rest, he, he can use storage, but I don't think we're in that situation at the moment because of the amount of rest time that Firmino and the rest of the squad is going to get before the last game. So I, I wouldn't really expect any of those curveballs to be thrown in there. Um, you know, storage off the bench is a good option to have. He is a natural goal scorer. He is a great finisher and he always will be. And so it is still a, a very viable option for Liverpool, but probably not one that I would consider in terms of starting, because I think it's going to be another game where the impetus and the onus is very much on Liverpool to try and break down a defence. And Leicester are very much like Palace in that they're capable of, of counter-attacking with real pace. 
Um, so I think it's it's going to be a, a pretty similar squad to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. The only um, you know the only question mark, as has been said, is, is Fabinho, and and if he is out, I just think again it's pretty obvious what happens. Henderson comes in, Genie mm. comes back hopefully, and you've got um, Naby Keita probably gets another shout. Um, but you've you've also got you know Shakiri there who can can make a difference as well. So. It will be interesting to see what Klopp does in terms of Cater now, whether he allows him to play in a, a more central position and or whether he persists with this kind of left wing, left midfield role. Um and, and whether that's just the long term vision for Cater and, and well maybe not the long term vision, but more buying into this idea of Klopp wants a flexible system that he can adapt for different teams and Cater being able to play on the left as part of that because it gives him that ability to mix things up. Mm. Um, but I thought Henderson was really, really good against Palace and, and I would actually quite like to see him retain his place. But again, that's, mm. that's dependent on Genie. That's dependent on Fabinho because they've both had really good seasons as well. Um, and as yeah. Randy said, you know, the, the back courts kind of picks itself if they're all fit. And, and just cause, cause you mentioned Ginny and, and there, I did have a thought and a bit of a conversation with a couple of friends I was at the game with yesterday was around, if Ginny had been available and playing in that game, whether it would have been the same level of chaos. Um, because I think he does a lot of that unsung stuff and he, he reminds me a bit and I'm not, not in terms of, in terms of the overall skill level, but just in terms of physically how he uses his backside in terms of Dalgleish, um, in terms of how he kind of blocks opposing players off. And I, I just, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, it's a moot point because he wasn't available, he didn't play and the game was the game. But um, we did have a conversation about whether it would have been quite as chaotic had Ginny been playing yesterday. Yeah, I think I think for me in terms of that, that Leicester game, assuming that, that Trent is fit and available, I obviously expect him to come back in. I don't know how far Gomez is in terms of back in training. So I wouldn't be surprised if Matip was still playing alongside Van Dijk. Um, I'd expect Robertson to, to be on the left. Yeah, if Fabino is injured and out, then you're right. I think the midfield, to an extent, picks, left, picks itself because Milner will be suspended. So I think it would be Ginny um, Henderson. And for me, I would probably give Cater another... I would I would play Cater, um, not because I don't rate Shakiri, but I just think Cater needs the games more than Shakiri does. Um, and then the, the front three, as as we know it, um, but that and that after we get past that game, and I don't know whether either of you know when we play Leicester because that's the midweek set of fixtures. Do we play before or after City? for that round of fixtures do we know because obviously in recent weeks we've been playing before them every every game but I don't actually know with Leicester because I I think maybe we all play on the same day but I, I, I don't have a fixture list in front of me so I wasn't 100% sure and if you don't know don't worry it was just if if either mm. of you actually uh, were aware whether we were playing before or after or at the same time as City actually for that matter um but I think that that is a you know that's a tough assignment, uh, Leicester, because as much as they haven't had a great set of results, they've actually been in most of the games that they've played, um, and I think have been quite unlucky in a couple of them. So the and and you know if somebody's you know checking in the background, feel free to chip in at some point. Um, but that then takes us into February, um, and you did mention it earlier, um, Randy, but clearly we'll have the Champions League back. Um, and the bit about it will be is that we play uh, Bayern Munich at home and then go to play Man U away. So, yes, with all of the other games that you mentioned, so uh, we've got West Ham away, we've got Bournemouth at home. Um, I think we then potentially have a free wicket because it might be the FA Cup again or something, I'm not sure. Um, but then, obviously, we have... Bayern Munich, then we have United, and then we have Watford away, I think. No, Watford at home, perhaps, anyway. Um, so I think Watford. that's going to be... Yeah, that's it Watford, okay. Watford at yeah. home, I think. Watford at home, anyway. Um, so, you know, my, the question in my head was about, was, was this the pivotal month? I mean, maybe, maybe it's a question that you have at the start of every single month. 
um, which is, is March, the pivotal month. Um, but I, I wonder, with the Champions League coming back in and assuming we progress, is this is this where we start to see those, you know, we talked about it in December, didn't we? About, um, you know, we had we had the Napoli game, we had the Everton game, we had the United game, um, and we got through we got through that unscathed. I mean, we went completely unbeaten in December. So I I suppose my question is, can can you see us doing the same thing in February with the you know the big guns coming to um, Anfield in the Champions League and us having to go to uh, United with the you know, what did you call it? The Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Wankfest going on in Norway yeah. at the moment. It's, it's an absolute nightmare. You can't believe it. I mean, the papers, I don't buy them. I don't look at them anymore. I'll just stay clear of everything and telly. You know, they, they, they interrupt news for fuck's sake to tell us that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer won another game. No, he didn't. Man United did. And he's interim. Oh, I'm just getting so sick and tired of it. But anyway, <laughs> so we, we didn't get the same coverage. We didn't get the same coverage when John Arnarisa was playing for us. <laughs> no, we didn't. Well, of course, when it's a player, it's always. But this is bigger. You see, this is just so much mm. bigger, and uh, yeah, it's a bit annoying. But I'll survive as long as we beat them. That'd be nice. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, but I actually think it's going to be good for us to have. Champions League, another competition that we really need to gear up to that is really, really important to us at the same time as we have Premier League because remember, it's, it's a lot of time in between the matches now and that, and that is not necessarily good for you, uh, sort of mentally. Uh, it's better to be at it. Um, so I quite, I quite look forward to that and I think Bayern is a very good draw for us. I think this suit is, is as well. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game against Bayern. Um, and I think you know they they haven't been playing fabulously. I think Dortmund um, got through quite a tough test at the weekend, so they've still got a six point lead over Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. Um, so it it would be a great night at Anfield. They always are for for Europe. So, but Leanne, do you do you anticipate? Do you expect? Do you hope? us to go unbeaten in February? I don't know. I think it's um, it's something that's possible with this Liverpool team. This, you know, this team who have done so well this season and who have been on really, really positive runs, who have got a lot of momentum behind them at this stage in the season. But I'm just going to be like the pragmatic head about it and, and take Klopp's view of every game as it comes. I think that's that's the only way you can kind of keep relatively level-headed about the season. Um, if if the Palace game taught me anything, it's that one slip up and and City are just one point behind and it's all to play for. So I think it's just very important that Liverpool take each step as it comes, including the Champions League. It would be brilliant to beat Bayern Munich and to continue to progress in that. I don't think people should, you know, discount the the power of the Champions League and what it means for the players as well to to progress. Um, and also Man City, you know, they, they've got the Carabao Cup, they've got the FA Cup still, they've got the Champions League themselves and are expected to go quite far in those competitions. So it just depends on the circumstances of both teams, the injuries that are suffered, how the, the manager and the teams rally around those injuries and those obstacles. And that's something that you can only really determine game by game. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's possible for this Liverpool team to do it and it's possible for this Liverpool team to go all the way in the position that they are, but we've just got to keep as level-headed about it as possible, really. I agree. I think that um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's part of my job to, to sort of try and look uh, a little bit further ahead. But, but frankly, I can't look any further than Leicester at the moment because that's our next game. And I want, you know, as many of our players to be fit and available for that game. Um, and I want us to beat them, mainly because I can't stand that rat-faced bastard and Jamie Vardy. So any time <laughs> that we can beat them, as far as I'm concerned, is a, is a good day. Um, so yes, we, you know, if we get past Leicester, then, you know, 
we start again in February and we see how we do for that month. So I have my ticket already for the West Ham game. So I'll be at the London Stadium. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, we will be, uh, we will still, you know, we will be on 63 points at that point and then, and then we'll see where we go from there. Um, so we're coming to the end of this. Uh, pod it's been great to go through all of this uh activity with you and i'm i'm just i'm trying really hard not to get too excited and i still mm-hmm. won't sing anything but liverpool liverpool top of the league um i have heard in a couple of games i've been at some people around me singing we're going to win the league i can't sing that i refuse to sing that um i know it's stupid and, it, and me singing it won't make a blind bit of difference to whether we win it, win it or not, but it's too soon. If, yeah. if we have a seven point lead with one game to go, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> you won't hear me singing anything else. Um, but we are, we are coming to the end of the pod. So, uh, any other business, ladies? Uh, Leanne, let me start with you. Anything that you'd like to plug or anything you want to bring to our attention? Yes. Yeah, so I've got a article that should be coming out probably tomorrow or um, Tuesday about Andy Robertson. It's just kind of on his new contract briefly and, and in the news of that and, and kind of arguing how Liverpool have turned a position of real weakness to one of real strength um, and just kind of the progression of the left-back crisis that we've all been through with the Paul Kinchaskis, the Ali Sissokos, the, <laughs> um, you know, the horror shows that we've seen to, to finding someone like Andy Robertson who has really just dug in not had the, the easiest or the fastest start to life at Liverpool, but he's really come on and, and shone really this season. He is fantastic. And actually, you remind me of um, something else, which is, and I know it's been on, on social media, but we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that actually Liverpool, over the last three, six months, have pretty much tied down all of our main players to contrast extensions. So, you know, Mane, Salah, Firmino, obviously we only signed, um, Alisson in the, in the summer. Um, and we signed obviously Van Dyke in the previous January, Trent, um, Andy Robertson. Um, we've got, you know, we've got Cater on a long contract for Bino. Um, you know what? We've, we've got, we've got a really, really good, strong, first team there yeah we we've got a bit more work to do i think in terms of increasing the overall quality of the squad but actually all of our main players are tied down to long deals to you know 23 24 25 um and that i think that's a that's a good piece of business by the club and and i think we're seeing the professionalism in, in terms of that backroom activity and michael edwards and all and you know the transfer committee or whatever we call it and the fact that we don't even talk about the transfer committee yeah. anymore just just <laughs> proves the point in my view um so so i think that's i think that's some brilliant work we've done with that's for for us as a as a club and for those players and they're all obviously all very happy to stay um so i shall look forward to reading your article uh leanne so that would be really good um Randy, what about you? Any other business? Anything that you want to bring to our attention? We're now aware that the, the you know there's going to be a crowning of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in Norway yeah. as the as the manager of the year in February <laughs> or something. Um, so <laughs> anything he's, else going he's on? He's going to be the next king or something. I don't know. But <laughs> except from that, I'm so happy about when I see like uh, Klopp after the match. Uh, yesterday, the way his passion, his uh, fist pumping, yeah. his roaring, his, you know, the relief and the energy he's got for us and for the city, for the, the game, for the team, for everything and where we are. And, and as you said, uh, all our important players had signed new contracts. Everyone wants to stay. Of course, in the summer, it's going to be vital to get somebody else that wants to stay. And I think we're going to, I think we look a good team to be in right now. And that is so nice. It is. This really has been pretty much a sea of positivity. Um, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change that. I think the, the only other thing that, um, and again, it's sort of picking bits and bobs up off social media, but, um, 
the the comment from um, Robertson actually, and I don't know if you mentioned it in your article, Leanne, about him talking about how much Virgil Van Dyke loves his song and how much the yeah. players really enjoy the the fact that there are songs for them. Um, and saying that you know Vir- you, he, he's heard Virgil singing his own song, um, and I think that that in and of itself is a you know is a is a great sign about the the kind of togetherness and and the the camaraderie within within the squad itself. Um, and there was a post on Instagram I think um, from Roberto Firmino, um, and Fabino had put a comment in with a line from Bobby's song on it. See, Senor, give the ball to Bobby, and he will score. And I just, I just genuinely believe there is there is something potentially very special happening at the club if we can, if we can stick along for the ride, and if we can kind of harness our positive energy to um, to support them when they're on the pitch, and not have the you know, it's the old clock line about doubters and believers, but not, you know, not get on their backs because every game isn't going to go our way all the time. And I think we, we need to show some patience and support because they're, you know, they are doing something truly miraculous out there at the moment. You know, we, have, we haven't had a season like this since I don't know when, probably the 70s or something. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go and look in the history books. I mean, it was to have 60 points after 23 games. We need to we need to appreciate what's unfolding in front of us. So that's all I'm going to say. Don't have anything to plug other than this pod. And obviously, if you listen to the pod, then I don't need to plug it, do I? So um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for, uh, for giving us your attention and listening to this latest edition. Um, we've loved... Uh, sharing our thoughts with you we will be back again very soon but in the meanwhile happy listening and goodbye life goes on day after day hearts torn in every way So ferry, cross the Mersey, cause this land's the place I love, and here I'll stay. Sports Social Podcast Network.